And happy Sunday. Good morning. This is PFG Live. Welcome aboard, everyone. Hey, we've got a bunch of uh, early check-ins on Discord, so let me see if I can get through them. Uh, Evils is here. Uh, he's got almost standard temperature at 20 degrees science and 11 degrees science dew point. Welcome aboard. Who else checked in? Uh, Unix Carbide is here in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, with a bagel, 59 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, 91% relative humidity, raining with gale force winds in Brooklyn. Zowie. Uh, let me clear out the Discord here. Um, DBX is here in Hawley, Pennsylvania, visiting. 52 degrees Fahrenheit and raining. CJ Stevens is here. Welcome aboard, sir. Uh, I don't see your weather report, dude. You may have to come in again. Uh, do we got any? Oh, one more. Widget Works is here. Welcome aboard, sir. Minus 4C, minus 9.4 dew point, 69 degrees relative humidity, 101.1 kilopascals in and cloudy and calm in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Welcome. Tux Garage, 42 degrees Fahrenheit, very cloudy in Buffalo, New York. Robin is here. Welcome, sir. The weather is grilled cheese and tomato soup. I don't think there's a better combination on planet Earth. Uh, Stefan, who'd have thought you'd have showed up? He is reporting eight degrees science and dark in Bavaria, Germany. Now popping over to YouTube, we've got CJ Stevens reporting 48 and rainy in soggy East Tennessee and thoughts going out to families in middle Tennessee that got tornadoes overnight. I was actually thinking about you, uh, CJ, so I'm glad you checked in on that. Uh, let's see. CJ Stevens says he's he's glad his favorite YouTube machinist is, is the guest. So am I. Uh, David Taylor is here. Welcome. Six degrees science overcast near Toronto, the, the uh, city of my dad's birth. Lunchman, welcome. New name, zero degrees science in the middle of Sweden. Welcome, sir. Joel is with us, 60 deg 66 degrees Fahrenheit, 9% relative humidity in Chandler, Arizona, which is a very famous place because that melts Sensirian housings printed in PLA. We've proven that. Scott Miller is here. He's excited he gets to watch the live instead of after 30 and sprinkling in central Illinois. Welcome, sir. Carl Tauber, just down south a little bit is reporting 55 and light rain in the People's Republic of R.I. Torrential rain expected. That is true. And I'll give my report in Wyndham, New Hampshire, 56 degrees Fahrenheit, 94% relative humidity. Brian is here. Welcome, Brian. 41 degrees in Northeast Ohio. Robert Simpson is with us early, he says, <laughs> relatively early. 41 degrees Fahrenheit, cloudy with intermittent snow near Detroit and only as near as he wants to be. Uh, I'm guessing you're Leonardo, uh, 10 degrees and wet in Peckham, London. Welcome, London. Nice to see you. Uh, I was just watching uh, Doctor Who last night. Uh, Oscar is with us, reporting minus five degrees in South Finland. I believe it's the other kind of minus five. Uh, Adagy is reporting the weather in in Surrey, UK is ghastly. Greetings from Hamilton Pianos. Welcome, sir. I recognize Hamilton Pianos. Welcome, welcome aboard. Adam the Machinist is with us. Hey, buddy. 39 and gray. I know some people like that. 
Flat Lapper is reporting 31 degrees, 9 miles an hour, mostly cloudy in North Illinois. Machine New Zealand is with us. Welcome, sir. Good morning. The weather, the sun's out and it's warm, of course. And Domestic G is reporting 38 in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That's a new name for us. Welcome aboard, sir. Nice to see you. Who did I miss in Discord now? <laughs> Try to catch up. Jay Palin is reporting 30 degrees Fahrenheit starting to snow in Florence, Montana. Welcome. Blake Terzini is with us, precisely and precise, reporting 7 degrees C, 73% humidity, and cloudy in the Rochester of New York. Welcome. So, you know, there's the city and then there's upstate. And you, sir, <laughs> you, sir, are upstate. So uh, I think we did it. Uh, everybody is, uh, are you comfortably seated? Did you get the popcorn on the way in? We have popcorn for everybody. Uh, and that's important with us today in the discord is almost machining widget works, Carl Tauber, Robin, welcome, sir, Jay Palin, DBX and Blake. So that's how this goes. K bonk just checked in reporting 62 and drizzle in an undisclosed VPN in Philadelphia. Welcome, sir. Nice to see you. So, uh, we have a good lineup today. Uh, I was triggered by a post from one Stefan Gottsvinter who said that he left his, his day job and that just set the topic for today's live. So we're going to, we're going to jump into that in a minute. Um, a little bit of catch up. Uh, we're doing some, uh, I don't know if any of you guys are into the technical setup here, but I finally have what we call side tone. I think we had this discussion last week, side tone or uh, uh, monitor in the headphones. This is new headphones. These are analog. This is not the final headphones. I can now hear myself. It is a different world. So a uh, little bit of tech improvements here and uh, we won't dive into that too much. Um, I was fighting with organization in both the electronics lab and the office with respect to two things, which I realized later are the same. And maybe this has some application for us in the shop. One of them is adapters. So in the RF shop, we use a lot of adapters between one type of connector to another type of connector. And I was having trouble managing all the zillions of them. So finally we established the hierarchy of connectors. So we decided, okay, the most important, most frequently used, uh, connector is the N connector. The next one, uh, and I'm going by memory here was the TNC connector, then the BNC connector, then the, you know, et cetera. Actually the SMA I think is number two. And then what I did is I, I took a box, uh, one of these, uh, organization boxes, you know, the plastic, uh, ones you get on. Uh, various places made by Plano. And that was the number one hierarchy N connectors. So every adapter that had an N on it went in that box. Then you go to the number two in the hierarchy, which let's just say it was the SMA connector. Then I'd gather up everything that had an SMA connector on it. And it went in that box and etc. through about six different types. And now the lab is like Nirvana. I don't have to spend an hour looking for things. So today I'm going through, uh, stuff and I have a billion cables. I'm sure 
you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, USB to lightning connector, USB to USB-C, USB to USB micro, et cetera, et cetera. I just did the same thing and all of a sudden all my cables are organized. So, and a cable, what's a cable except an adapter? It has one thing on one end, one thing on the other end. So the, the quick lesson here is establish a hierarchy of, of the, of the connector types or whatever, and then organize them that way. And all of a sudden I'm organized. Carl, Carl asks, does anyone still use the beautiful old general radio connectors? Dude, you're showing uh, your vintage a little bit. Uh, the short answer is no. The last time I saw a general radio connector was uh, in the cockpit of a dinosaur. Uh, I haven't seen one in a very long time. Um, Practical Renaissance is with us, at reporting 43 degrees and sunny in lovely beachside Kansas City, Missouri. Welcome, sir. Nice to see you. Um, so that was the, we call that the hierarchy of connectors. And uh, if you could use that, have at it, but it has changed my life and gotten, uh, gotten the shop and the lab uh, very organized. Uh, currently at Manchester Airport, winds are 160 at nine knots, visibility 10 miles, clouds are scattered 2,200 feet, broken at 3,600 feet, overcast at 7,500 feet, temperature 14, 2.11, altimeter 2984, and remarks are unimportant. We had this morning at about uh, 8.30 in the morning, it was, we were down to 200 foot visibility. It was quite interesting. Evils is showing us a picture of, I just use a big bin. <laughs> That works if you don't have to find anything quickly, but uh, that works. Big Ben. Uh, what else do we have here? I don't think uh, we have. Do we have any unfinished business from last week? Um, I don't think so. I think we're pretty good. This week in the shop has been stones, stones, stones. I got all the orders filled. Uh, I was running antenna simulations upstairs and stones downstairs and back and forth. And I was, it was uh, quite a good exercise this week. So, uh, that was a busy, busy week. Okay. Um, <laughs> evil says the quickly qualifier sounds optimistic, but that's what we have to do, especially when we're uh, busy guys. Stefan says he uses the same box system. I'm, I'm assuming, and we'll find out in a minute that you mean the evil's box system, not my box system. <laughs> uh, K Bonk says better than stoned. Yeah. I don't think I would get much done that way, but I got a lot done this week. Okay. The moment you've all been waiting for, uh, we promised you an exciting Sunday and I would like to welcome aboard Mr. Uh, Stefan Gottsventer in, in the wonderful, uh, Germany. Welcome, sir. Hey, Spencer. Hi. There good we evening. go. Or we have a good, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. We always have to recalibrate. It's, uh, it's early afternoon right now. And, uh, we're going to go to the big screen here. There we go. 
I, I knew the button was somewhere. Congratulations are in order. Thank you very uh, much. <laughs> I know, I, I know this was, was uh, why'd your, why'd your video freeze on us? Maybe it'll catch up. Might want to turn. Hear me? I could hear you. Oh, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a connection problem. You'll catch up. There you go. You're starting to go. Oh. You, you defrosted. <laughs> uh, after 18 years with the same employer, which I guess is yes, Siemens. That's also, yes, that's also the company where I did my apprenticeship. And that's just fantastic. Um, and I know, well, we'll, we'll have a bunch of questions. You left and you're, uh, you're on your own now as of, as of tomorrow, tomorrow, Monday, you wake up and, uh, uh technically end of the year. Oh, technically the end of the year. Okay. Yes. So, so uh, we, I'm sure that our audience has a lot of questions and comments, um, Uh, oh, uh, Blake says, I make cables at work on demand, so I only store connectors or store them by product they belong to if they're prefab. <laughs> Sir, you're you're clearly a, a connector professional, so uh, you, you have a lot to teach us. So our audience is going to have a billion questions for you, and I have actually only one question from a DM I received, so we will cover that. Uh, your video is a little choppy, so don't don't do any dancing. Um, okay. <laughs> CJ Stevens says he's well connected. Yeah. Okay. So as, as uh, long as the audio is okay, the audio is fine. I think that's the important thing. So I should I think I should point out that this goes out on YouTube as a video, but it also goes out as an audio podcast. So we have uh, our audio listeners. So if we show any video. That's complicated. We always d describe what we're showing so they don't feel left out. Also, I want to point out that YouTube has saw fit to insert ads wherever it feels uh, like it's a good place to insert an ad. For that, I apologize. However, the uh, podcast will have no such intrusions, and um, we're going to adjust our game as we go. Scott Miller says, congrats on going independent. It was a scary transition for me. So... Um, Let's take it from the beginning. You've been at this company doing excellent work for 18 years. And how long ago was it that you decided that you would um, go out on your own? Okay, there is a whole story to it. I About eight years ago, I started to do YouTube just as a hobby. And also, that's the same time when I got my very first customer project paid customer project and well i noticed that you can make money out of a home shop and that kind of escalated over time a little bit more but a little bit more 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 machines and eventually got to a point where i decided to go part-time working only four days a week so i could do more work in my own shop and maybe have a hint of social life still left <laughs> And uh, I did part-time about, I think, almost four years. And now I'm at a, I was at a point where I could not, well, deal with the company politics anymore. I had severe problems with 
some of the machine builds we did with the with the general organization and everything and that's when i took one year off my day job uh sabbatical which is paid time off well you have to pay it back but you can basically take a year off the day job and do whatever you want. Many people use that time to build either a house or travel the world. And I used it to try my business full time. And it, it felt very good to work on my own terms, my own schedule. And uh, technically I have three months left off the sabbatical until it runs out but i decided to take a line under it and call it good and gave in my 30 days notice and uh, we're just dealing with all the paperwork now but it's it's decided and i'm on my own very exciting um so is the sabbatical concept uh a common standard concept in Germany? Yes. For larger companies, absolutely. I like it because here in the Basically, States, here in the States, it, it is, it is done for academics. So my sister's mm -hmm. a professor and that is a common thing. Uh, uh taking a sabbatical, mm -hmm. it's almost encouraged. Uh, but we don't know about that in, in the commercial world here. That's unknown to us. Uh, larger industrial places will have that. I don't know about the academic world here or um, government work, but in industry, larger larger companies, it's super common to have some kind of an agreement on, on uh, staying at home for a certain amount of time and being paid, being on payroll on that time. And then uh, you figure a concept out how long you pay back the money in my case i'm going to pay back the entire sum that i got for the year in one big bulk so you're right you, you are literally so, giving money back yes fascinating uh, the, they paid they paid me this year every month my usual uh, salary and if I did, if I went back to my to to the day job, um, I would pay it back over three years. And since I'm leaving, I just get an invoice from them over the whole sum at once. This is fascinating. I've never heard of this, and but what it does is it it actually makes it paves the way for you starting your business perfectly yes uh absolutely that's amazing because one of the points that i was going to make today and might as well make it now is that one of the recommendations i would make is have for example six months in the bank so that you could start your business and as that you ramp up your business you can eat and pay the rent but by taking a yeah. sabbatical that kind of does that right you could be ramping up your business getting paid and if your business is successful paying them back you know just banking whatever they give you and then paying them back is not painful am i reading that right yeah absolutely yes 100 wow. percent. 
I am now a sabbatical. Uh, and I'm fan. not. <laughs> I'm not the first guy at my day job who did it exactly that way. We have a guy who did um, um, was working with horses, and he went to Saudi Arabia to do horse work, really? and didn't come back. <laughs> yes. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, so. Here's a question. When you left your, your, uh, employee, did you leave? Well, I, I'll ask the simplest version of this question. Did you leave on good terms? Is everybody? Absolutely. Friend? I, I would say never burn bridges. If possible, leave on good terms. You do not know what will come in the future. You will meet again. You might need something from them or the business might not work out and you might come back. Or try to come back. Absolutely. My, and in my experience, it was the same way. It was, uh, I left my employer and they became my first client. And, and that mm. was, that was very comfortable for both of us. Um, and that worked out. Are you, are, is that going to happen with you? Do they have any interest in having you do some work for them? Uh, we were always joking about having me as a listed vendor, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen because uh, bigger companies here have rather brutal paying terms, like 60 or 90 days. Uh, what's that called? Uh, um, payment target. We call it payment terms or uh, yes. net, net, uh, typical here is net, net 30. 60, net 90. Yeah. yeah that, and some larger companies here have 60 or 90 days. Yeah, I had a big, uh, I had a big defense contractor tell me with a straight face that it was net one, 120 days. <laughs> and I, I suggested that's that that brutal. was a bad idea. Yeah, that was not going to happen. Um, well, that's, uh, yeah, I can't emphasize that enough. Le you know, not burning the bridges yet. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I told them numerous times my opinions in a very vocal manner, but that was never taken uh, negatively. I think if you do it from a position of, I'm giving you this feedback because I care about success, then they're not going to hold it against you. Um, so that's uh, leaving on good terms, not burning bridges. I mean, we hear that as a cliche, but it really matters. Um, I think that ego, your your ego, has to be parked in the process, and and you know you have to have enough ego to f feel that you can be you could be successful in your own business, but not so much ego that you feel you have to beat down somebody else's opinion at the company you're leaving because that is not good. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Scott Miller says that is really amazing. That could open up so many possibilities for so many people. It's like getting a work sanctioned loan slash vacation referring to the sabbatical. Uh, and, uh, SD 90 racer says something which you're going to have to read. Can you see it? Um, in the discord chat? No. Yeah. Uh, no, in the YouTube Did chat. You any, oh, I, ooh, uh, I don't see that. Can any, again, evils. Herzliche Glückwünsche, Herr Nachbar. Oh, danke. 
So what does that mean? Uh, that was um, thank you in, in a, a very much uh, not that to thank you. Um, Congratulations. Uh, uh, yes, yes, exactly. That's the word. Excellent. <laughs> and that was SD90 Racer, who is probably one of your uh, Europe, European followers. Yeah, uh, so. Let's see. WidgetWorks says plenty of oil field companies run net 120 days. I had one ex customer that wanted to only pay small vendors like me every six months. So we, I would just tell the, I would just tell the customer, okay, as long as you only eat every six months and I would get in trouble. Uh, Robin says one of my customers said 90 day terms. I said, goodbye. They changed their mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what happened with, uh, we have a very large, um, well, we have several very large defense contractors and I, because I do antenna work that comes up, um, and they did the same thing to me. I think, I think it was, I think they were saying it might've been 90, I think it was 90 days. And I said, I am a small business. I cannot survive on that. We finally ended up at 45 days, which was a, an exception as far as I'm concerned, because I usually would only accept 30 days. So, you know, getting your financial books in order so that you can open your business and run your business is actually pretty important. And as machinists and other flavors of nerd, we don't necessarily, we're not necessarily good at that stuff. So how, <laughs> or we're downright terrible at this stuff. How are, are you approaching your bookkeeping duties as you launch your uh, sole venture? Um, I had a, what's that, um, attorney? No, not an attorney, a, a tax person, um, uh, uh, accountant, accountant for the last five or six years now. And that worked out very well. So I only do the invoicing myself, make sure the money arrives to my bank account or in PayPal, whichever the customer decides to pay. And all the, the tax work gets done by the, the accountant. This is like one of the dirty little secrets that nobody wants to talk about. Oh, outside screwball is here. <laughs> Welcome aboard, sir. It's Hello. okay. We're not going to make you stand up in the back, grab some popcorn, sit down, <laughs> relax. Uh, so, uh, uh, one of the best things I did in the beginning also was had an accountant and then after being in business, probably six or eight months, maybe a year, I hired a bookkeeper. And I stopped doing the books myself and I stopped doing invoicing and I stopped doing all that stuff. And the bookkeeper for me would come in once a week and spend half a day. Um, here's the rest of the story. I've had that bookkeeper now. I've had, I've had two bookkeepers. The first one lasted four or five years and, and moved. And I had to get a new bookkeeper and that bookkeeper is my current bookkeeper. I've had her, I've had her as a bookkeeper for 11 years. Um, so when you get busy, I guess that's the, 
that's something that I would recommend is getting a, a bookkeeper and you only need them once a week. And if there are people doing that sort of thing around you, I, I heartily recommend it. Um, let's see. Unix says on the topic of the books, do you uh, start a corporation or LLC? Now I, I recognize that that's a U.S. term. That means limited liability corporation. How does that work in the EU? Oh, that's super easy. Not. <laughs> oh darn! I was hoping. I was hoping it would be easy. So, it, does anything like that exist? Yes. Um, currently, I'm running as a, a sole proprietor. I think is the equivalent in the US. Mm -hmm. So it's me. And there are options like the GmbH, which is a limited um, account. Um, liability uh, entity that owns everything yeah limited liability the company owns everything and i'm working for the company but that has very uh, high stakes you have to bring and i will get this wrong you, you have to bring like twenty thousand euros of cash into the business right away setting the business up costs uh, a bunch of money or setting the GmbH up costs a bunch of money. And also you need to do uh, a more complicated system of bookkeeping. I'm just a recording in and outgoing. And with a GmbH, you have to do real violent, uh, um, bookkeeping. Yeah, uh, they, they have a set of standards, I'm, I'm sure, that are. Yes, that's absolutely work for an accountant then. Uh, and so the stakes are rather high, but it makes sense when you do work where you might get sued because somebody dies because of what you make. Which I don't recommend. I don't no. think. Don't yeah. do things. Don't, don't make things that kill people. Wait. It's <laughs> a bad idea. So uh, the most expensive meeting I've ever held was me, my lawyer, and my accountant in the same room. Oh boy. And it's like, if you don't think you could hear, you could literally hear the money flowing out of your account. And yeah, uh, it's like 600 bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah. Easy, easy. So it, it was, and it was a one hour meeting, so it wasn't horrible, but the question was, what do we, how do we set up? Do we set up, uh, as a, uh, LLC, uh, limited liability company in the US we have something called an S corp which is like a small small corporation that's not really what it means but you could think of it that way or a C corp which is a full strength you know concentrated uh, corporation uh, or sole proprietor which is I do business and I have no other protection and literally we we met we met we talked for 20 minutes and then all of a sudden they started talking in a language that I did not even comprehend. And that went on for about 15 minutes. And then they both turned to me and said, S Corp. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then, and then you write the check and off you go. But, uh, to your point, um, having an accountant is not optional at that point, not even a little optional. Um, let's see, we have some questions coming in. 
Brian says, downsized, but still in business full-time since 1981. Mom and pop machine shop. Net 30. Good account. Yes, sir. Carl says, what is, uh-oh. That's an Aktiengesellschaft. There we go. What is that? Uh, that's a public traded company. So we would call that so a, co a regular corporation. So it's, it, it's on the stock market. Okay. I guess uh, I'm not a business person. <laughs> Carl, Carl says like flushing a toilet. I, I assume you mean pronouncing that in English is like flushing a toilet. Say the word again. It's a good word. Okay, we're going to all have, we have Google homework. Uh, Daniel says uh, GMBH is considered equivalent to LLC according to the internet. So your, your GMBH is our LLC apparently. Uh, a lot of lawyers do LLCs. Um, Unix says on the topic of the books, start, uh, he said that already, in the U.S., creating an LLC is the very simple option nowadays, but my two cents, consult your tax person for what to do. LLC, sole proprietorship, S-Corp, C-Corp is usually only sane with some number of employees. Yeah, and and that's why I, I had the most expensive meeting in the world uh, to figure that out, and, and uh, that's what I recommend. Uh, by the way, not doing any of that and not, you know, Doing nothing is called sole proprietorship, and if you screw up your books, you will uh, you will pay. Um, or go to jail. Oh, Carl says, <laughs> or go to jail. Which, by the way, three square meals a day. I I don't recommend it, but it could work. Uh, Carl said that his comment about it's like flushing a toilet had to do with the fees during that meeting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was not pretty. Um, Robin asks the question, product liability insurance, question mark. Have you thought about that? Uh, or let's just, let's, let's broaden it. Let's broaden the question to insurance. Have you thought about insurance? Uh, business insurance is rather expensive. The, the, it, it would be a good idea, I guess. Usually, I don't work directly to in individuals. Most of my big company work goes to an engineer who gives the work further to the, to the final customer. So, uh, uh, I, I'm out of the. I'm out so of is the, the there. So is that your plan going forward? You're gonna you're gonna have an engineer in between you and a company? No, not, not always. Uh, that's for uh, one specific uh, large customer that I have, for example. So I know that um, in the world of uh, like building buildings and stuff, which I have no you know, general contracting, frequently the plans for the building have to be stamped by an engineer and says, mm -hmm. you know, they, they bless this. And that has a lot to do with product liability. Um, I do have liability insurance on my antenna business, uh, cause it was required frequently by, by my clients. So, and it, it, it was, it was not ridiculously expensive, but it's one of the things that 
is the costs you have to consider. So that that is a that is a good idea to have some amount of insurance. I have a business. Um, I'm not sure what's that called in English. Um, they pay they 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 pay for a lawyer and um, court if if something happens for the business. That sounds like uh, a, that sure sounds a that's... lot like that sounds like uh, insurance. Yeah. Tuck says. Uh, but apart from that. Tuck says, is insurance something you worry about in Germany? I know everyone in the USA <laughs> is always peddling insurance for everything. <laughs> well, I have to pay for my uh, medical insurance now by myself. Yeah. And also for my, um, uh, for my retirement. I could either pay into the retirement um, money by the state or do it on my own, which can be tricky, mm -hmm. or set up some 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 other uh, way to fund my retirement one day if I ever want to retire and not just die in my machine shop, <laughs> which doesn't sound like the worst option. Yeah, I mean it beats falling off a cliff uh the well, uh so you you just came to a fork in in the insurance road right because there's health insurance that goes one way and then there's you know the business insurance stuff that goes the other way um i think business insurance and a good person to talk to i think about that is your accountant because they deal yes. with a lot of companies right they'll have some suggestions um but as soon as you say health insurance, it's kind of, I almost kind of want to, don't want to talk about that at all. I have to excuse myself from that conversation because my wife has a full-time job and she has health insurance and that covers us. So, um, I'm, I'm privileged in that I don't have to worry about that, but it is, a, it is something to consider. Do you have, uh, I know I wasn't going to talk about health insurance, but do you have, uh, I don't know what, what it, health insurance is like in Germany. So is there a consideration uh, for that from the government? Well, um, I, I just have to, usually when you, as long as you're employed, you basically pay 50% of the insurance cost yourself and the employer takes the other 50%. The 50% that you pay uh, gets directly drawn from from your salary. You don't ever see it. Well, you see it on your monthly uh, pamphlet with with your uh, salary. Uh, and since I'm now on my own, I have to pay the hundred percent of the insurance myself, which is uh, a medium three figure number per month. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's, it's not. It's not terrible. It's just. It's just distasteful. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, let's see. S uh, Brian says sole proprietorship to a C corp to an S corp was is what Brian went through. Um, tool time, Chris. Welcome aboard. He says hi from the Netherlands. We have EU regulations. Most of them are self-assessment types. 
And uh, Carl asks, I guess you're asking me is about my insurance. Is that in case an antenna falls off a tower and kills someone? No, because that's not really the kind of work I do. But um, frankly, the reason I have insurance is because uh, a lot of the companies require it. And I've pushed back. Let me So always read the contracts, right? So I, I, I'd get... I'd get paperwork from a client and they'd say, uh, you need insurance and your vehicle needs insurance and you need, you know, fall and death and impingement. And I like, stop, why do I need that? And they say, well, if you, if you come onto our site and get run over by a tractor, I'm like, I'm not coming on your site ever. <laughs> and <laughs> right. And I'm not using your equipment ever. I'm delivering you information. Oh, well, I guess we could strike that. So you have to be willing to push back on some of these requirements. But that's really the only reason, Carl, that I have uh, those kinds of insurances because we've had to have it. And it's not at some very high value. It's on sort of the minimum required value. So that's my story. Um, but if, if you're in the machine shop world and you're making a thing, you have to ask yourself what happens when the thing breaks or what happens if the metal I bought from my metal supplier has a fault in it and it breaks. Uh, if the answer is somebody dies, you need insurance. If the answer is somebody's Bitcoin falls into a hole, I, maybe you don't, I don't know. Um, outside screwball says just finished my Taco Bell tacos. Good job. Back in the car with the wife as we are running errands. Happy holidays to you both. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that. Yes, sir. K-Bonk says, will you be doing prototype, production, or short run type work if you can answer? Yes. <laughs> that is that is the so, correct answer. So. That, that was the short answer, and the long answer is yes, I do. Uh, my preferred work is prototype work, because that's the most fun for me. But I also enjoy uh, short production runs, like 10, well, 10 is most, most of the time most of what I do, 10 of a small part. I try to not do assemblies. Well, assemblies are nice as long as it's only mechanical parts. If if <clears throat> anything with electronics comes into play, first of all, I'm, uh, well, I know my electricity, but uh, selling electric, electric or electronic goods here is has another set of stakes. Hmm. Uh, because you have to have a, you have to have it electrically inspected, and you have to pay, there is something for um, electronic waste disposal where you have to pay for the U, which really? is fun. Yes, it's not that easy. So I usually stay away from uh, machine, for example, I would like to do special machine builds like I did at my day job, but the, um, the stakes for anything that's not purely mechanical are fairly high for a single individual. But in general, I do whatever fits through the door. I do not do military 
and I try to stay away from vehicle parts, especially vehicle parts that go on public road. Hmm. I have no interest in work like that because that's a huge liability to me. Also, I'm not doing uh, weld work that in cases it will break, will kill somebody mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. And you have to have the paperwork for welding if it's something pressure holding pressure vessels, which I also don't. Uh, but in general, I will, I will do what fits through the door and I'm comfortable doing. So uh, when I work with clients, uh, I have a, a contract called a uh, consulting services agreement. And uh, they're hiring me as a consultant. And the, the agreement mm-hmm. says a bunch of th- interesting things. One of the things that the agreement says is that I have know-how. And by hiring me, you, you cannot restrict my ability to use my know-how. And that's an important thing for reasons that I, I don't want to dive into too deep. But uh, another thing it says is something about liability. It's like, I'm designing this for your product, but it's your product, it's your problem, and that also can protect you. So that that document is pretty important. And it's pretty much the same document every time with a little bit of negotiation. So that's another thing. Uh, Carl said, brings up VDE regulations. Is that the electri- uh, electrical stuff? That's the rule set for uh, for electronics and electric work. Uh, it's a it's not a law, but it's similar weighted to a law. That's things like um, uh, insulation values, insulation resistance values on technical devices and stuff like that. Um, you don't have to follow VDE if you can do it in another way, but similar quality. Uh, you're fine. You don't need to follow it, but you have to defend it if something goes wrong. So uh, following VDE is a good idea. And, and we let's not go too far down the path of electronics because you're obviously not doing it. And uh, Robin says, I have found that if you are supplying a niche product or service that most customers will waive requirements and insurances if you refuse to comply with their requests. <laughs> and that goes yes. back, right? I, yes, absolutely. 100%. You have to stand up. You you, you can't, just because your customer puts a document in front of you and says, sign here. No, you must read it. <laughs> and, if you, and if you don't agree, you don't agree. And I have frequently struck out paragraphs and said, nope, not doing that. Um, okay. Let's let's get a couple more of these. Um, one qu- one question, which I don't think you, you can answer yet, is: Are your customers companies or private individuals? Mm, probably seventy five percent companies. There you go. I have the odd walk in customer. The I, I do a lot of drill spindle repairs from. Um, uh, drill presses, the, the quill assemblies, I do uh, bearing changers, straightening the spindles and grinding the tapers. That's usually uh, private individuals, but um, most of the prototype and small production runs are companies and also Xometry. I, I started oh, really? to do a little bit of Xometry work. 
which is it's kind of fun to to pick the art part there and just have a go at it. I've heard mixed reviews of using that as a viable business model. I would not rely on it if I if I can. I know people who do and do very well with it, but it's stressful. Uh, the lead times they give you are brutal. And also the, the default pricing, they, the, the default quoting, they, because they quote the part for you. And you have ah. to either comply to the price or you can put in a counter offer. And their quotes are usually, uh, well, you can buy the material if you are lucky. <laughs> that's not good. No, that's uh, a problem. So I think we sort of answered this question for Unix Carbide. He says, do you have any bread and butter work in hand? Something that'll bring you some consistent income, but maybe not great work. And I think you, you talked about the spindle repairs. Um, is that going to be stones? Stones? Always good. Yeah. And, and uh, just to clarify, because everybody's going to be wondering, uh, you make stones uh, and you limit that to Germany, right? You keep that inside. Uh, Europe. Europe. Okay. Europe. And um, uh, selling outside of Europe is a uh, hassle. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, that is, uh, that is a viable diversification. Uh, Scott Miller yeah, says, all, all, say again. And I can always put out a, another YouTube video if, <laughs> if I need yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, uh, you, you have a very, uh, viable and vigorous YouTube channel. Uh, yes. I don't, I'm not even sure. So I have to confess I'm on YouTube premium, so I never see ads. So I don't know who's monetizing and who's not. Are you monetized? Yes, it's monetized. It, well, it's pretty much from the beginning. Um, I only run the ads in front and the end of the video. I do not do the mid rolls because they are bloody annoying. Uh, well, and I don't want people to have to go through them. I have currently, seen currently we can still turn them off. Oh, you can. As so a channel I owner, you can. Okay, so I have to look into this because in setting up each of the lives, uh, it doesn't say that. It says, "Do you want to control the mid roll?" ads or do you want us to control the mid-roll ads and uh yeah we, we have to talk about that offline but um they have definitely removed some of the controls um yes they did they made it easier <laughs> yeah they made it easier right let it we'll take care of this for you don't worry um Unix asks, what about scoping projects? How do you handle that for customers so they don't walk away with your spec or with a single prototype and go get it produced elsewhere? In other words, how do you keep customers from abusing your time yet engage them for meaty projects? And I think we both have a different approach on this. What do you think? Oh, I try to do good work. And I have, I have a good example on this. I... We, Beginning of last year, uh, a company approached me and they wanted to do a diamond turning project in aluminium. It was a ring-shaped mirror, which had to be diamond turned. 
And the previous guy who did them for them literally died and took all the knowledge with him, mm. which is a problem. They approached me, I got the diamond tooling, I talked to people, and I started to use my lathe as a diamond lathe. And we figured the process out, and it's documented, and then I asked them, hey, you need about 100 of these, or 150 of these each year. Do you want me as your main supplier for this part? And they came back to me and said, yep, yeah, you're doing your, the parts are absolutely perfect. You are on time. Communication is great. And yeah, you're listed now as our main customer, in the, uh, main supplier for this type of part in our system. That said, they also have the documentation in case I get run over by a bus. So they still have something on hand. There is so nothing written. Uh, I, I have to trust them in this case. And well, if if they want to backstab me, well, I will find something else. So Unix says, but to clarify, they paid you for the time you spent reverse engineering that process? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So generally, if a company comes to you and says, please reverse engineer this process and we will pay you, that also means we own the output of that work. So yes. it's not, yeah. Okay. However, I you think have, you have to talk in, you have to talk beforehand uh, how you want to communicate the, the know-how. If they get pictures or written text, or in, in this case, we do a video and some text and photos. That's a, that's a good idea. Um, I think Unix is alluding to some cases where uh, yeah, he just clarified it. He says, I'm always wary of the talk beforehand part. So I know when I have clients come to me and say, Hey, we need a thing that does this thing. I frequently bite my tongue because it's all too easy for me, uh, to launch into a, an explanation of how I would solve the problem. But that in itself is part of the deliverable. So sometimes I just keep my mouth shut. Now you, you, in that particular case, you're in a good situation because you trust these guys, um, which I cautiously uh, applaud. Um, and, and that's cool. I think the, the one of the, I could think of a couple of the best business relationships I ever had and didn't have any paper behind them and everybody made money and everybody was happy. But I think it is important going into it to ask those questions especially if it's, a, if it's a company that you've never dealt with before and you, you say, well, can, please clarify, do you want me to develop this process and deliver the process to you? Or do you want me to develop this process to make parts and just deliver parts to you? That's a fair question. And that clarifies. Yes, absolutely. And also you have to decide if you want to get paid uh, on t uh, per time, per unit of time you put into it which I absolutely dislike. I, I hate working uh, on an hourly rate because I'm on my darn phone all the time. In, in the case of these uh, ring-shaped mirrors, we, we, we just took an agreement that I do prototype parts at fairly high price. And uh, on each iteration, 
of these parts. We just made a small run of these parts, and they paid for for the prototypes. So uh, that worked out extremely well. I I think for people who are starting their business, uh, uh you know, fresh, which you are, but you're not doing it, uh, uh, without some careful thought. But I think there is a tendency to want to be the nice guy and give away the farm, <laughs> right? So that, hey, they'll think I'm cool. This is a bad idea. If you deliver value, you get paid for value, full stop. And you have to do that right on day one, which is hard, and I recognize it, but you have to protect that um, that uh, attitude. Um, let's see. Brian says, I learned to not let customers know how I did something because they always say, that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get, I don't get it in the antenna business, but I get it in the stones business. It's like, what's the big deal? It's like, oh, really? <laughs> Took me two years to develop the process to get it right. And now you say, ah, it's just, you know, um, Two, yeah, Unix says two weeks of work can fly by while not getting paid. It's true. Uh, so you, you bring up an interesting point, getting paid by a, by a project, getting paid by a part, or getting paid by an hour uh, are all different yeah. ways to approach it. Um, and upstairs, I get paid by the hour. Downstairs, I get paid by the part. And... I also don't like the hourly thing sometimes. Uh, um, but on the other hand, I, you know, make a lot of money at some point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I prefer, I, th I think the uh, getting paid by part or project, um, like projecting in, in the sense of a bunch of parts, is a very fair solution to both because both parts of the equation, the machinist and the customer know exactly what they get and what they pay beforehand. Yep. And it's if nice. you are any decent at quoting, you will, you will come out fine. Uh, widget work says for new customers, I have a policy that they either need to be referred by a good customer or the first couple of jobs are labor only. They supply the material. So far, I've only been stuffed once because the guy died before I got paid. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. That, that kind of sucks. Um, I have to say, I've been doing this 25 years, and the number of times I've really been screwed, I can count on one hand. It, it's, it, it doesn't happen Same. very often. Yeah. I mean, overwhelmingly, people are pretty decent, but big big red flashing light if you're just starting it's you have a, a strong desire to be to please everybody and 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 Stefan you tell me if you think I'm wrong here and you also have a very difficult time saying no and the ability <laughs> to say right yes the ability to say no is very important and every now and then you'll even find somebody who's going to take advantage of you because you just started your business and they know that. 
Almost Machining says, uh, Stefan, thank you for so much for taking the extra time today. Congrats on your new adventure. Um, thank you very much. One thing we, um, we haven't talked about, which we should launch into now and people were, we're going over, we're going over our hour, uh, and, and I apologize, but it's worth it because it's Stefan. What do you time. want? Stefan, yeah. I have kind of all the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's going to last right till the end of the year. Um, so I wanted to talk about what you need to get started. Like, uh, and we could limit the discussion to the machine shop business because that's kind of what the common thread is here. But what do you, you know, how well are you equipped? I mean, we kind of know what you have in the shop because we've been, you know, we have a window on your shop called YouTube. Um, and I know you recently bought that nice grinder, that lovely grinder. Uh, mm -hmm. you recently, you, uh, you were just scraping in one of your machines, the decal, I think. Yes. So, uh, what would your advice be to somebody who is, wants to do what you're doing, uh, with respect to gearing up? Oof. Um, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> it um, is, isn't it? I would Me say metric metric or imperial? <laughs> uh, metric string, of course. Metric string. Civilized. Well, not, oh, well, naturally. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, I deserved it. I would say the first machine to get is a lathe. You can do a lot with only a lathe. There are a lot of round parts in the world, and a lot of people need round parts. And then get a mill, because a lot of those round parts also need a flat or a cross hole. And from there you can... Well, it depends on what you want to do. Do you want to do like micro-machining? Then a CNC router might be a good idea with a fast-turning spindle. Do you want to do uh, tooling builds, like build, uh, well, taking Robin's example here, do you want to build spindles, spindle housings and precision spindles? Then you will need a mill that can do uh, some serious material removal, can do it around a boring head. And you will need absolutely a surface grinder. Uh, but I would say start out with a good lathe and some way of milling. So you you basically went, uh, you know, lathe, mill, surface grinder in that order. Um, lathe, every just yes, and, and but but I I will. I will say that if you're making a transition, uh, you and and this is what you did. You have you have your shop built. It's not like day one yes. you're going to start your business, start buying machines. So, yes. you know you need to be secretly in your secret lair, you know, building up okay. your shop and getting ready to do this thing. Um, I know I did that when I broke away from the company I was working for, I had my lab set up and I was, it wasn't, it wasn't extravagant, mm -hmm. but I had it set up and I was ready to go. Um, so I think that's, I think that's pretty important. Uh, K-Bonk says, 
did you pick machines or pick what you liked doing as jobs first? Oh, uh, I will give terrible advice here because I picked machines first because this started as a hobby machine shop. And I basically bought neat machines like the Pantograph Engraver, which uh, is not <laughs> that, a wise decision for a business. That I, said, I was gonna... I'm looking into Pantograph Engravers. <laughs> there you go. Full circle. Yeah, yes. I think there's a danger to neat machines um, because there's many of them, but not all of them yeah. will May make I you money. May I give another recommendation? Yes. No unicorn machines. If it's a one-off prototype with a custom control that nobody else has, <laughs> run, run for your life. <laughs> you, you know what they say? Buy somebody else. You could make anything on a shaper, except money. Funny, I did make money on a shaper. Well, I had one plastic part that needed very long V grooves. And uh, later I put that work on the mill, but I did that very long in the shaper and came out as, as it was single pointing it, came out brilliantly. Uh, that's, that's an excellent exception to the rule. Unix carbide agrees. Yes. Unix says uh, unicorn, unicorn machines <laughs> are a no. Um, K-Bonk says... Yeah, I lost the tr I lost the thread on that one, Kbonk. <laughs> Empty Space says, "Do you know where you can get a good and relatively cheap machines except Klein Kleinzeigen?" Kleinzeigen. That's like Germans um what what's the um Craigslist. That's like Craigslist ah, in, okay. in the US. Um uh, that's the best solution, honestly. Or find a guy who died and you can clean out his shop. <laughs> you know, sometimes you could accelerate that process. It's, I don't it's recommend sad, it. But, uh, I, I, I don't re recommend that. It's sad, but I did it once. I helped clear, clearing out the shop and house from a machinist who died. I, and, and honestly, it putting those machines back to work is something that yes. that machinist would have loved to see. Right. I hope so. Yeah. A little sad there. Sorry, guys. Didn't mean to go. Didn't mean to have a downer. Um, Unix says, don't stop your hobby or this will become drudgery. Keep the unicorns to the side for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our unicorns. Um, what about knife making? Just kidding. My friend, the knife maker just walked in. Robin says, make sure your skill and experience level will allow you to be competitive. Stefan was already extremely competent before venturing out on his own. Your learning curve should oh, be very you, shallow. Isn't that a nice, that's true. We all agree. That's, that's extremely humbling. So, uh, that's true. You should hit the ground running. Um, and, and that skill level, right. Came from your experience working for your employer. Yes, and also from what I did the, the last eight years in my own shop. Uh, I was always asking people how they do things. I was asking, I was looking at Robin's stuff or at your stuff and uh, Adam the Machinist and all, all the other people on Instagram. And I just played around. And I also took on work that I had no clue how to do. 
I, I took on a lot of projects that I had absolutely no business in quoting them. And well, I succeeded making those parts and lost a lot of sleep over them, but mm-hmm. uh, got paid in the end. Be careful do, doing that. Be absolutely careful if you do that. I, I had projects. I had projects early on that I took and my word was my bond. If I said I was going to do it, I was going to do it, damn it. And there was uh, at least one project. I'm just going to imagine it. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Uh, we had to make five things, deliver the five things by a date. I said, we're going to do it. I had to assemble a team and I lost $50,000 on that job. That was stupid. That was stupid from day one, but my ego was getting in the way. So anybody who's done the, who's gone down this road, who hasn't made mistakes is a fool or a liar or both. Uh, there are mistakes to be made. Talk to somebody who's gone down the road who, who maybe can shed some light on it. Uh, one more big topic that I want to make sure we hit on is money in, in, in a different flavor. And that's called debt. So it's very um, tempting when you're starting a business to uh, take a loan and buy a bunch of expensive equipment because, hey, I'm starting a business. Um, what's your take on that? And and then I'll <laughs> I'll give you the cold, icy blast of my take on it. Go ahead. Don't. Uh, well, that, that's just for me. Uh, I would never take a loan on a machine if I don't have the money. All the machines I have are were always paid cash right away. If I couldn't afford a machine right away, I waited. Or was looking for another machine. Right now I'm looking at a new manual lathe. Well, uh, uh, another used lathe probably. And uh, that's probably a 10, 20, 30,000 euro investment. But I'll, I will do that investment when I have the money. And, and my take on that is very similar. Um, you know, the run up to starting your business while you're still employed should include buying your equipment, paying cash. And that might mean you're not getting the latest and greatest. You're not getting the, you're not buying the Karen. Uh, you're, you're, you're buying the Haas. <laughs> um, I think there was exactly one machine Let's see if I let's see if I'm telling the truth here. There's exactly one machine that I had a, a a machine loan on, and that was my vertical machining center. So that was like a fifty-five thousand dollar expense. Um, mm-hmm. That's long since paid for. Every other machine. Again, I'm checking my brain here to make sure I'm not lying. Every other machine was paid for, and now everything's paid for. I could throw. You could take all the machines that's away. Long. And, and melt them down and I, they, they don't owe me a thing. Um, so, uh, I, you know what, uh, a gentleman who I think is also a Stefan, I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, uh, in the YouTube chat says from the first videos I watched the micrometer build, I was thinking you will go solo and I am still following you to learn from you and hope to start my road in this way if I don't get too old too soon. <laughs> very you. nice. Uh, I don't know if you can get too old. 
saying that at 37 well <laughs> hang in there <laughs> there's a few more years ahead of you I'm, um, I'm feeling i'm feeling rather young you're never too old says robin robin <laughs> by the way robin just turned 38 so that's metric so um it is stefan okay welcome aboard sir where are you i'm going to guess the czech republic am i right Oh, is that what oh, it means? Stefan Blacksmith. Ah, Hello. okay. Oh, and GLG Forgeworks says, it's a wonderful live, by the way. I want to say thank you to GLG Forgeworks. Hang on a second. Thank you. <laughs> He's sitting over here on his iPhone. Uh, you funny guy. Well, welcome aboard. Uh, so last thing I want to say is about debt. We, we slammed debt. We said, no, no debt right? Pay cash. Now I'm going to say something different. Debt in a business situation is sometimes viable. Okay. It's a very, you have to be very careful how you do this. But if you go up to big customer, right? And, and they say, we want you to, to do this. If you put in, oh, you're in Croatia. Welcome. Uh, if you, build into your contract the safety valves that and then go ahead and use debt wisely it, it is viable and and by wisely the if you default on a debt for a machine the only recourse should be that the machine gets picked up and goes away and you have no personal liability. You don't give up your house and your car and your kids. If you do that, and that's done all the time in business, if you do that, you can use debt as a tool. But just like in machining, if you use if you use a tool wrong or you use the wrong tool, it's a bad idea. So use caution, but most of the time, just use cash. <laughs> uh Evil says credit score and pickup trucks sounds very American to me. <laughs> yes, yes, it's true. Uh, and if you talk to somebody and ask them how much they paid for their truck and they tell you how much per month they're paying for their truck, it's the wrong answer. Um, well, we could do this for another three hours, can't we, uh, Stefan? I, I think uh, we might have to wrap it up because Yay. we promised. We promise not to keep everybody up till till midnight. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, thank I. I want to say thank you very much for coming on. We're going to do this again, and we won't be so long doing it. Um, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, Robin, thank you for checking in in the chat. Uh, uh, almost machining widget works. Carl Tauber, Robin is in Discord. Jay Palin and Blake. Uh, Terzini is in the is Discord. All you guys on YouTube, you're awesome. Um, <laughs> Flat Lapper, I totally get it. We're trying to wrap it up just for you here. Uh, don't forget to, I hate to do this, like and subscribe uh, and uh, hit that thumb on the thing where you hit the and thumb. And the bell. Don't forget the, the bell. bell. Don't forget the bell. Uh there was a question that's hanging here. Let's okay. We'll answer one more question before we wrap it up. Stefan, will okay. you venture into CNC 
in the future? Well, I have a CNC. I have these. Uh, I always had CNC mills. I had uh, a vertical mill that I converted myself. I had three CNC routers. And now I have a small epoxy granite milling machine, which can do just fairly capable. It, it does do hard milling quite well. It has a 24,000 RPM um, HSK spindle. does really well. But I would like to own a VMC at some point in my life, of course. Um, I would not mind the Haas Mini Mill or, or current Micro HD. Some of these, I got a, one of the guys just messaged me this past week and, and he says that he's going for a Speedio. These little, these little Speedios are cute as a button and they go fast. They're cool machines, but I, I know that uh, people use them for prototyping, but I always get uh, the, um, what's it called? Um, production peasant sense of them, like production slave machine. <laughs> Yeah, but seeing um, Dylan doing prototyping on them, uh, well, it seems to work out exceptionally well. Uh, it's not the tool; it's the machinist. Yeah, I, I would like a uh, an open frame tool room mill, like a Deckel CNC or something like a, a KE fifty five. Um, Something like that. that Tom, Tom Lipton. Doesn't Again, Tom Lipton have a Deckel CNC? Yes. No, he has the KE55 uh, Makino. Oh, Makino. Okay. That's a cute machine. Yeah, the, the Deckels are pretty much the same form factor with an open accessible table. I want one of each is what my problem is. <laughs> That, that would be the correct answer. <laughs> this is always the correct answer. Okay, guys. And hey, also a VMC. And a V. Absolutely. Everybody, thanks for oh, tuning yeah. in. Uh, we will have uh, Stefan back sooner rather than later, and uh, maybe we'll get another uh, another roundtable going. Bring some other uh, uh, folks in and keep the discussion. Again, congratulations on your new adventure. Thank you. We will support. Thanks for and, having me. Oh, anytime. Uh, we'll be back next week on Sunday. Uh, and right exactly after the show, we'll be in the uh, on the Discord server in the uh, after show secret room. And you're all welcome to join us there. In the meantime, get flat. And you have to translate. We're going to do a little uh, uh, bilingual thing here. I'm going to say the thing, and then you have to say it in German, okay? Okay. Okay, so get flat, stay flat. Very flach and bleib flach. And that'll do it for us. Take care, guys. <laughs> Bye.